So going into today, I have two main thoughts. One, you only have a few hours left if you want to snag some awesome, including this embroidered blue tie-dye hoodie at shopdefranco.com. And two, always got to be plugging, but two, you know, over the last few years, and most specifically this year, I've been trying to be a much better person. And one of the ways I've been trying to do that is not engaging in super negative pile-on behavior. But if I told you that it's been easy for the past 36 hours not posting Nate Robinson memes, I would be lying to you. And I hate that ridiculous caveman part of my brain. And uh, for those unfamiliar, Nate Robinson, former basketball player, very well known, decides I'm going to fight Jake Paul in a boxing match. And over the weekend, he got viciously knocked out. Like record scratch, dead Mufasa meme knocked out. In fact, the only thing that was more vicious than that knockout was the mockery and memes online afterwards. In fact, it got so bad that famed boxer and shit talker Floyd Mayweather was like, y'all need to chill. Though Floyd seemed to be more specifically aiming at those who were kind of acting like they were supporting Nate, but then the moment he got knocked out, flipped on him. And even more specifically, talking about black athletes and black entertainers. Posting a photo of he and Nate with a caption, Nate, I'm proud of you and I will always stand behind all my brothers. I will never kick my brother when he's down. It's okay for people to voice their opinions on social media, but no black athletes or black entertainers, especially black NBA players should be making a mockery out of you. We are supposed to all stand with each other through the good, bad, and ugly. I'm here to uplift you and let you know we all love you and congratulate you for just making an effort. And then, seemingly because he knew people would come after him for having beef in the past, writing side note, the times I've had issues with another brother is when they came at me first. I was just defending myself. And while obviously a post like that is not directed towards me, uh, this story in general made me think, why are so many of us so comfortable piling on Nate Robinson here. Especially since so many of us wouldn't put ourselves in his shoes. We wouldn't do that same thing. We would not decide to box Jake Paul. Though, uh, I think you could easily argue it's not about not having the balls to do that. It's more having the brains to not do that. Right? Like, I think that Jake Paul is a bad person, but I would not fight him in a boxing ring. That check is not big enough. I know my strengths, but more importantly, I know my weaknesses, and I do not want to put myself in a situation where legally, Jake Paul can put me to sleep. Right? I do that, yeah. I get a check, but then I go, home, I tell my son to go to bed and he responds, or what? No, thank you, I'm good. But still, with this story, I did want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts about not only this fight, but specifically the mockery that happened afterward? Right, is this all negativity, it's too much, it's toxic, or you think, no, it's okay, it's all fair game. Nate knew what could happen going into the situation, he just got caught, especially since now, after the fact, we know that Nate Robinson is okay, which I will say I'm happy to see, because once again, when he got hit, it was like someone hit his off switch. Yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts because I'm so conflicted on this. Though, I will say this whole situation has me very, very interested in the prospect of KSI now fighting Jake Paul. I mean, I for one would watch that. Then we should talk about this terrifying viral video and also uh, things that we have now learned after the fact. So if you haven't seen, there's this woman by the name of Hannah Vivaret and she posts a video to TikTok that showed her trying to dance while then all of a sudden an intruder climbs into her second floor balcony and opens her apartment door. In the TikTok caption, she calls the man her stalker and, and we just see this happen. Who are you? Who are you? Please get out. Please get out. No, please get out. Yes. Who are you? Please get out of my apartment right now. Please get out of my apartment right now. Get out. Get out. Hello? You know, when you see a video like this online, you think, one, that's horrifying, and two, 
I hope that's fake. But as it turns out, this was not a situation that was faked for views, it was real. The incident reportedly happened in Hagerstown, Maryland on Sunday, November 22nd at around 10.20 p.m. And in a Facebook post several days later, Hannah shared a bit more about what happened. Describing the man as someone she has seen around her building but had not spoken to before, calling him a man that has made a point to watch me and make many uncomfortable advances at me from a distance for months now, and adding, for so long I brushed it off, assuming him to, quote, just be a creep. It was the moment I came face to face with him at my door that I knew he was there to harm me. And luckily, Hannah was able to seek safety at a neighbor's house, which, by the way, best neighbor ever. See the neighbor in the video almost immediately letting her in. Then uh, Hannah calls 911, with Hannah saying she later found out that the intruder had unplugged her Christmas lights that were tightly wrapped around her balcony post and had cut slash tore approximately two feet of cord from them. In her post, she goes on to identify him as Angel Moises Rodriguez Gomez, a 36-year-old man who lives in the building across the street from her. And adding, he admitted to climbing up on my balcony only because he thought I took his picture right before he closed the door to leave, but he of course told a very different story. Writing, he said he was invited up. What? Y'all, he was arrested last night and released on bail today. And noting, this cannot be the first attempt he's ever made to act on stalker behavior. If anyone knows anything about this man or have ever felt slash been uncomfortable slash harassed, assaulted in any way by him, please speak up. I refuse to live in fear and I refuse to let him continue doing this to me or anyone. And in her post, attaching some photos of Rodriguez Gomez. And uh, according to reports, the Hagerstown Police Department later confirmed that they had brought him in for questioning and he was eventually arrested and faces charges of third degree and fourth degree burglary, second degree assault, stalking and malicious destruction of property. But still, according to reports, he was released on bond until his court date, which right now is not known. And uh, actually in the meantime, internet users have been commending Hannah for remaining strong while her intruder roams free. And obviously uh, with a story like this, I I'm happy that Hannah is safe. I am wishing her the best. I, I w hope for her safety, but also I think one of the scariest things about this story was the sheer number of people in response to this story that had their own stalker stories. And unfortunately, it wasn't all past tense. And also uh, looking further into this, I, I guess it is not that surprising because according to the CDC back in 2014, an estimated 15.2% of women and 5.7% of men have been a victim of stalking during their lifetimes, which are horrifying statistics. So I guess if there is a way that I can end this story and hopefully provide a benefit to at least one person, know that you are not alone in this if you have not referred this to local law enforcement, greatly consider that. I don't know your individual situation. And finally, three, if this is something that you're going through or someone else you know is going through this, uh, I'm gonna link down below to resources that can hopefully help you. But yeah, that, that is where we're gonna end this one for now. And the last thing we're gonna talk about today is the never-ending election and some of the major updates that we've seen now over the weekend. Starting with one of the most significant things being Wisconsin's two largest counties, Dane and Milwaukee, wrapping up their recounts. And like we talked about before, those recounts were requested by Trump, who agreed to pay $3 million to retabulate the votes just in those two Democratic strongholds, likely because the state's election commission estimated that it would cost nearly $8 million to re-canvas the whole state. And as far as the result of that recount, there was a change in votes. Though, uh, notably, it gave Biden 87 more votes, taking his lead to around 20,600. While the recount was expected to reaffirm Biden's win, this news is still significant for three major reasons. First, it solidifies what we've long known about recounts, that they usually only change the final tally by just a few dozen votes, and that they almost never change the original outcome of an election. Secondly, this marks yet another huge loss for Trump, who has been handed L after L after L with his legal challenges. In fact, according to reports, Trump's so-called legal strategy has given him a 1-39 win-loss record in various state and federal courts across the country. Also, of note there, most of those lawsuits don't even make any kind of allegations that voter fraud or other irregularities occurred. I mean, uh, just another example, this last Friday, Team Trump saw another 
massive loss in Pennsylvania, where an appeals court upheld a lower court ruling and denied the campaign's attempt to stop and even possibly reverse the certification of election results in Pennsylvania. And as more states continue to certify their results, right just this morning, Arizona certified their election for Biden, Trump's legal opportunities continue to dwindle more and more. Right? That's because once a state has certified its election, it makes it much harder, if not entirely impossible, for any new legal challenges to be brought. Which brings us to the third and final reason the Wisconsin recount conclusion is so key. Pretty much all counties in the state have now certified their results, and with the Wisconsin Elections Commission scheduled to meet tomorrow, the state is expected to fully certify its election for Biden very soon. But despite that, we still, over the weekend, saw Trump tweeting that he would continue to fight the results in Wisconsin, even before the recount totals were announced. Writing, the Wisconsin recount is not about finding mistakes in the count, it is about finding people who have voted illegally, and that case will be brought after the recount is over on Monday or Tuesday. We have found many illegal votes, stay tuned. Now, notably, as of recording this video, no such lawsuit has materialized, and with a clock ticking, it is unclear what such a challenge would even look like. Right, Trump, of course, has provided no evidence of voter fraud or illegal votes being counted in either Wisconsin's first tally or the recount, which were live streamed in both counties and where officials reported zero irregularities. But despite all that, Trump has still continued to spout endless conspiracies and baseless claims about fraud, not just in Wisconsin, but in fact, all over the country, claiming in numerous tweets over the weekend that the election was rigged, that there was no way he did not win. And uh, just yesterday, we saw him going on Fox News Business in the first interview that he's given since the election was called for Biden. And there, he repeated many of his old classics while also giving us some new conspiracy theories. This, including most notably that the FBI and the Department of Justice may have rigged the election against him. This is total fraud. And how the FBI and Department of Justice, I don't know, maybe they're involved but how people are allowed to get away from this stuff with this stuff is unbelievable. And very important to note here because you cannot just regurgitate these lies. Obviously, there has been no evidence of any of that. Right, election officials on both sides have repeatedly said that the election went smoothly and that there were no serious irregularities. I mean, literally the same day that Trump gave that interview, Chris Krebs, right, the, the Republican former director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency who Trump fired, he gave an interview with 60 Minutes where he went point by point and refuted all of Trump's unfounded election fraud claims that Trump has been repeating. And also, keep in mind that the DOJ is full of Trump's political appointees, including Bill Barr, who has shown us countless times that he is willing to undermine the entire justice system to help the president. Trump, in that interview, also claiming that he wanted to file just one big lawsuit, but that his lawyer said he had no legal standing. You mean as president of the United States, I don't have standing. What kind of a court system is this? And the judges stay away <laughs> from it. This election was rigged. This election was a total fraud. And it continues to be as they hide. And the problem we have, we go to judges and uh, people don't want to get involved. And I mean, just looking at that interview, looking at that clip, it, it seems like the president is just realizing, oh, there are still some checks and balances that actually affect me. Also, uh, really quick to the question of what kind of court system is this? One that is apparently still sound enough to keep you from stealing an election and strong enough to stop a would-be autocrat from just destroying democracy outright. Now, as far as what happens next, you know, despite the fact that the election feels never ending, we are in the home stretch here, right? Even though he keeps spouting lies and conspiracy theories. Trump seems to know that too. Right during Trump's Tiny Desk concert on Thanksgiving Day. By the way, who thought that Tiny Desk was a good idea? Was his staff trolling him? It, it doesn't matter. Main thing, on Thanksgiving Day, in addition to making more false claims about the election, Trump also complained about the many injustices he feels that he is facing, which is why you also may have seen Diaper Don trending on Twitter and which prompted Trump to declare that Twitter was a national security threat. But really notably there, when asked if he would leave the White House if Biden won the Electoral College, Trump responded, Certainly I will.
And you know that. But also claiming that a lot of things would happen between now and then that could change the results and add it. This is a long way to go. But the, the thing is, there is not a lot of time for Trump to try to do things. Or like we've talked about before, the safe harbor deadline, the date that all legal battles need to be resolved by is December 8th, which is barely a week away. And then less than a week after that, you have the electoral college voting on December 14th. Big note here, it is also incredibly unlikely that the electoral college could change the outcome of the election, right? As we have talked about before, it would require an impossible combination of state legislatures in states that voted for Biden, totally subverting the will of the people by sending pro-Trump electors to vote in the college. As well, as Democratic electors breaking their vow to vote for the party they are pledged to and casting their electoral vote they represent for Trump instead, right? What is known as a faithless elector. But also, in addition to that, the vast majority of states have legal protections against either of those occurrences, and so it's basically impossible mathematically. But uh, ultimately, that is where we are with this. Now, we're gonna have to wait to see what happens next, both uh, if the Trump campaign files any new challenges, how those and existing challenges are handled, and what happens on December 14th. But also, it will be interesting to see if any of this backfires on Trump. Right, I mean that in several ways, like over the weekend, we saw reports that he's losing support from some major donors. This, including the likes of one Trump supporter in North Carolina who reportedly gave the campaign $2.5 million to Trump's legal efforts to expose and fight fraud, and who is now suing to get his money back, citing disappointing results. But also, in addition to that, you have supporters of the president concerned about Georgia. Right, there is a very, very important runoff election that is going to happen in Georgia in January, a special election that will decide who controls the Senate. And so there's a concern that because Trump has continuously and baselessly accuse the election system of being rigged against him, fraud. The system cannot be trusted that that may actually suppress the Republican vote in the state. And we've even seen some Trump supporters calling for Georgia voters to boycott the runoff. Now, if that actually affects the Republican vote, well, we'll have to wait and see, but if you are a Democrat in Georgia, you should be taking your last shot here. Because Trump has generated so much confusion and distrust, but not with the people that know that he is a habitual liar. And that is where I'm going to end today's show. As always, thanks for being a part of my daily dives in the news. Also, if you're new here, hit that subscribe button and hey, maybe text me at 813-213-4423. Also, remember just a few hours left if you wanna snag something at shopdefranco.com. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.